welcome to this episode of Holiness Talks. In this episode, we'll be talking about holiness as the purity of heart. In other words, we want to see the language of purity as used for holiness. Without any doubt, by now we are familiar with the fact that both Old and New Testaments contain God's instructions, commandments, exhortations, admonitions, and of course, instructions as well as provision for the holiness of worshippers. In the Old Testament, God expected people to be holy, and in the New Testament, he does not expect less. And when one looks at the vocabulary that are used for holiness, which are many, by the way, one is purity and the other one is holiness. There have often been confusion about <clears throat> the relationship between holiness and purity. While we recognize that there is some subtle distinction sometimes between the two, we also know, however, that the two have important things to say about holy living. In other words, we are saying that both the word holy and pure have ethical and moral connotations. Let's look at what Jesus has to say to his disciples. Matthew chapters 5 to 7, well known as the Magna Carta of the Christian faith. That is, instructions about life in the kingdom. We see in Matthew chapter 5 particularly, in the B attitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for only they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here we find Matthew's allusion to Psalm 24. Psalm 24, looking at verses 3 and 4. The psalmist asks an important question in verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? I will find the answer in the next verse. Verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol? So there the psalmist talks about clean hands and a pure heart. That is the one who was fit to ascend to the mountain of God and stand in the holy place. In other words, to stand in the holy place of a holy God, one must be holy, clean hands and pure heart. Here we find Matthew's theme of reversal and vindication, which is reflected in the psalm. Those who remain in a faithful, trusting relationship with the Lord will receive blessing. And in Psalm 24, verse 5, Psalm 24, verse 5, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. You see, the purity of heart that Jesus and the psalmist refer to is not just ritual purity, but moral purity. In other words, the purity of heart that is being spoken of here means purity of intention, a heart that is focused on obedience to God, and we see further 
In verse 4b, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, a heart that has not trusted in another God, but continues to trust in God. This is somebody who does not swear by false God. So the holiness to which Jesus calls his followers is centered on the heart from which we know evil springs. Jesus himself speaks about that and over which ritual purity has no control at all. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 a little bit. You see, pure in heart, as we said, is something that occurs in Psalm 24, which we have just read. And of course, in the Septuagint, Psalm 72, verse 2, we see a similar phrase. So the pure in heart referred to in these places are those who are conscious and those who are aware of their innocence before God. You see, in the Old Testament, because God is presented as awesome, which he is, and because God is holy, which he is, an approach by sinful persons was always associated with danger. I mean, when one reads Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, we'll talk about holiness in Isaiah at some point. But just looking at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, it is abundantly clear that to see God, one must be prepared, one must be ready. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. 1 to 6, we'll read that quickly. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne and lifted up, and the train of the grove filled the temple. Above its two seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his face, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has taught your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin taught. You can see that. So to see God in the Old Testament requires that one be purified. And it's very, very important. And we understand that when one limits purity exclusively to ritual, such idea is completely foreign to the Old Testament religion, which was based on covenant relationship with God. You see, in the center of that covenant relationship was a true inward spirituality required by God. And God understands that his people should be pure. Of course, we know that people eventually fell into legalism. So we know that purity here as demanded by Jesus, is something which is internal. When one looks at Psalm 24 carefully, we see that the, the focus is on worship of the Creator God and the conditions to be met by those who will worship that Creator God. You see, significantly, what we need to note 
is that the conditions are expressed in terms that capture the inner condition, the inner situation, the inner disposition of the person's relation to God. And of course, we see the ritualistic terms there, clean hands. You see, clean hands and pure hands both go together. And we know that primarily it is the inner quality of heart purity that is so important and very crucial. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5, we're told, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is a complete single-minded devotion to God, which is at the very center, at the very center of Israel's faith. You see, for God, have hearted devotion and divided affections are not accepted and were not part of Israel's creedal confession or statement. Therefore, what we're saying, ritual purity and inward purity will be incompatible in the sincere worshiper of God. So, as far as the psalmist is concerned, purity, holiness, worshiping God, I mean, Purity and holiness are important when it comes to worship God. So when we see Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, against the backdrop of that, what shows up or what is clear is that there is no reference to clean hands. We see that. Look at that again. In Psalm 24, it is there. You see, Jesus was not preoccupied with ritual purity for his own sake at all. Jesus was far more concerned about inner cleanness. When you see that in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 20, it is very clear. You see, much of the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is concerned with inward purity that propels or animates outward acts of righteousness. I mean, in Matthew 6, 6 in the whole of Matthew chapter 6, it talks about fasting, it talks about praying, and all that is predicated upon having good motives. So in Matthew chapter 5, it is very clear that Jesus is calling for purity of heart. You see, the purity of heart is talking about integrity and single-minded devotion to God. That is what it's talking about. So when we're talking about holiness, we're talking about purity of heart, purity of intention. This is very, very important. Jesus is more concerned about inner cleanness, about our motivations, more than outward purity. And not only that, when you see Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 32, you see attention to moral purity. You see, this is not the law of the old covenant written large or is it a new and stricter law at all? Jesus simply moves the discussion of conduct well beyond the bounds of legalism, totally and completely. Rather, the issue of holiness or purity is entirely based upon the new relationship between God and humans and the relationship between people as well. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, for instance, verse 20, 
talked about the greater righteousness, which is the righteousness greater than the righteousness of the Pharisees. What does it mean? That greater righteousness is not a condition for discipleship at all, or it is not a new, more comprehensive or exacting of the Torah. No, Jesus vehemently opposes the view that the fulfillment of the law is the fulfilling of the will of God, because God demands the whole person. God requires the whole person, not just specific acts from the person. As such, the fruit of that new relationship of life that we now and life that we now have in Christ is to be lived as a reflection of that relationship. Jesus talks positively. So when we're talking about purity of heart, we have to understand that what it entails is integrity and single-mindedness, single-minded devotion to God that eschews hypocrisy totally and completely. When Jesus talks about purity of heart, in Matthew chapter 5, he's making us to see a correspondence between outward action and inward thought. That is a lack of duplicity. There's no hypocrisy. There's no two-facedness. Here Christ is talking about singleness of intention and the desire to please God above everything. That's what Jesus is talking about. You see, to the pure in heart, we have a promise in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, we know that when one reads that, it is obviously clear that this is a promise for the future. In the Old Testament, the prospect of seeing God was always fraught or connected with ambiguity. On the one hand, God graciously revealed himself on several occasions. But on the other hand, the holiness and awesomeness of God compared to human unworthiness made the vision of God unsettling. We, see, we saw that in Isaiah chapter 6. Yes, we know. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But let's bear this in mind. The Christian hope is that the pure heart will stand before God at the last judgment, accepted by him in his very presence. But let's also note that a focus entirely upon the future about seeing God misses the point of this beatitude because there's an already aspect of this beatitude. For they shall see God. You see, that's the reward of inner purity. We all know that this is usually the privilege of angels and very few humans seeing God. I mean, is a rare privilege. But we know that seeing God here is not just about seeing God in the future. That, I mean, when he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, it already tells us the realm of possibility that it's a blessed goal. Yes, we know that we shall see God in the future. But there is a present aspect. We know that the rest of the Beatitudes, we must understand, we have this, we must understand the eschatological tension that are there. We must understand the promise as fulfilled in the present as well as in the future. As somebody, an old saint put it, the lenses, the visions of God are seen only through the lenses of a pure heart. The visions of God are seen only through the lenses of a pure heart. We need to remind ourselves 
that the present tense of these verbs, of these verses rather, warns us against an exclusively future interpretation. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So there is a present dimension of seeing God. God rewards these attitudes, these be attitudes with their respective results progressively as well in the disciples' experience. What does it mean to see God in the present? Well, without any doubt, the immediate context does not help us a great deal. But the wider context suggests that Jesus had something in mind, seeing God by designing God's gracious revelation of himself in the life and ministry of Jesus, the Messiah, God's kingdom in power. And we see that to see God. I mean, God has revealed himself in Christ. Remember, since Paul asked Moses' face to face encounter with God in mind, he wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 4 says, It to me means that God has revealed himself in Christ. In this sense, the New Testament takes a more daring direction than the Old Testament. It suggests that God can be seen in Jesus the Messiah, not in a passing fashion like Moses did, but in a continuing splendor. Blessed are the pure, that is those who have entered a new relationship established by God, inaugurated by the ministry and life of Christ. And those who now live in such a way their life, that their lives reflect the relationship, they shall not only be accepted on that basis into the very presence of God and the consummation of all things when all things come to an end, but even right now they will perceive and experience the reality of his presence through Christ's life and work. The holiness of God manifested even in the life of the believer, purity of heart, the holiness of God manifested by the integrity of being, identified totally and completely and unreservedly with the purposes of God in compassion and redemption for his lost and dying world, as stated by Ken Brower. Such identification with God's saving purposes enables his people to design God at work in most unpromising and unlikely places. We see God at work in most unpromising and unlikely places. So even now we see God in different ways. This is something that the Pharisees missed totally and completely when they questioned Jesus sharing table fellowship with sinners and tax collectors. Let's know. To see God is a blessed privilege. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does a pure in heart mean? Pure in heart means pure intention, single-mindedness, single devotion. And we learn from this passage that God's purposes of holiness must be understood eschatologically. That is, when we talk about eschatologically, we don't mean just in the future. We mean both present reality and the future hope.
we are conscious or most Christians are conscious of the future dimension of the meaning of the beatitude like others we need to say that it is not exhausted just by that definition to be pure in heart is a present condition that describes the life of the disciple to be pure in heart we say is not an impossible dream jesus is not talking about a pie in the sky the verse promises the possibility of experiencing this single matter devotion to God as part of God's gracious work, God's gracious provision of salvation to those believers, to those of us who are now part of a new covenant community, which was established by God through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ the Messiah. And it is now appropriated to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Then to see God is also a present experience. What a joy to know that we can see God. To use the language of John Wesley, he says, the pure in heart see all things full of God. The pure in heart see all things full of God, but more particularly in God's providences, God's ordinances, in our corporate encounter with God in worship. The point is that we can see God. Seeing God is not a private religious experience related to few, nor for only those who are removed from the problems and cares of this evil age. Pure in heart is a possibility. Purity of heart is a possibility and it is what God calls us to. Holiness as purity of heart is something we know it's possible. From the passage that we've seen in Matthew 5, and especially when we read verses 21 to 48 of Matthew, it is very clear that purity of heart can never be restricted or associated just with our vertical relationship with God. It has to do with human relations of one form or another. When we're in this new relationship with God, we are also by definition in a new relationship with our neighbors, or at least should be. Our lives will reflect this new relationship. What a beautiful beatitude this is. It reminds us that we will see God on that glorious day. And it tells us as well that we see him now in the evidence of his grace in the world. And we must never allow our secular society to hijack the evidence of God's wonderful prevenient grace by a failure to acknowledge God in all we do and all we see. Blessed are the pure in heart. We see God in the worship of the church. We see God poignantly in the sacraments instituted by our Lord. We see God. It is very important for us to know purity of heart is possible. It's commanded. And it is now that God can do it in our lives. Again, thank you for listening to Holiness Talks. 
If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to write to us. God bless you.